Well, good morning, everybody. Praise God. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you didn't come to church today to be entertained, because that's not why you're supposed to come to church. We are supposed to come to church to seek the Lord, to seek His ways, to learn more how to follow Him, or to come to follow Him. So anyway, I hope that's why you've come. If this is your first time coming to Gospel Saving Church, hello, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days, and this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. If you guys would join me, please, in a word of prayer, and let's ask the Lord for His blessings on this message in my mouth and our ears. Lord, thank you so much, God, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, thank you so much, Lord God, for those that are listening to this message, and for us here in my home in McKinney, Texas. Lord, thank you so much that you've given us another day. Lord, not everybody gets another day, but we've got another day. So, Lord, we've got another day, Lord, if we're yours, to live for you and glorify you and and, and have a relationship with you, Lord God, or if we're not yours, Lord God, then today is another day, Lord, that your grace is still extended to that person and that they could turn to you or back to you, Lord God, if they're not yours right now. Thank you so much, though, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy and that we have a beautiful day ahead of us. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you. Please bless this message, Lord. Please bless our ears that we could hear it correctly. Lord, that we would do the things that your word says to do, Lord. And for all of us that are already yours, Lord, help us to follow you more closely. Help us to do the things that you want us to do. Lord, I pray for my mouth, Lord, that you'd help me to speak this message in truth and boldness and in love. And that you'd keep me preaching, Lord God, as long as you want me to keep preaching. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. We ask all these things, Lord God, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. If you guys want to open up your Bibles today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 20, verses 25 through 31. I'll give you a moment to open up your Bibles, but again, that's Acts chapter 20, verses 25 through 31. The title of our sermon today, The Watchman on the Wall. Again, that title, The Watchman on the Wall. Acts 20, 25 through 31. If you guys want to listen along, you can. If you'd like to read with me, you certainly can do that as well. I always read the scripture before I teach it. The Bible says this. Luke's recording to us and says this. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherd, or to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. It's a pretty powerful little section there. Last week I began to teach on a discourse between Paul and the elders of the Ephesian church. This week we actually jump right into, right in the middle of his discourse. And so let's just pick up where we, let's pick up where we left off. I'm not going to waste too much time since we are right in the middle of his discourse. Verse 25 again says this, and indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. So as we have read up to this point in last week's message, Paul's been reminding them of how he lived among them, right? He, he lived among them like Jesus Christ, serving, not being served. 
being their faithful preacher. And what is a faithful preacher? Paul, a perfect picture of that, who was not afraid to preach Jesus Christ to them in each of their houses. Plus what? What did he say last week? Uh, Plus out in the open city. And he preached Jesus Christ, the one whom the Jews hated as as a whole, the one whom the Jews rejected. And yet, so he would preach out in the city amongst all those who hated him and the message of his, Jesus Christ. One also that Paul taught them the whole counsel of God's word, both the candy parts and the hard parts, as we were kind of just talking about here as a church before I started the sermon. Plus one, Paul, as he said, that taught the whole counsel of God's word, even through the terrible persecutions that the Jews had come against them with because they didn't want to hear him anymore. And then right in the midst of this reminding them of all these things, he finally breaks down and tells them a hard truth. One he has been building towards this whole time in this whole section. The hard truth that he must depart from them or leave them for good and at a point where he would never actually see their faces again. Up until now, Paul and these these in Ephesus had been through so much together and and this departure takes them by storm. So much by storm, we're not going to get to it today, but by the end of his discourse with them, they all kneel together and they pray and they weep at the fact of not all the bad news that Paul has for them today, but at the fact that they'll see his face no more. And that's tough for them. And Paul tells them, hey, I've come amongst you preaching the gospel, and now I won't be here anymore. And they're so sad for that. So now that he's revealed this hardcore truth to them, uh, because God had revealed it to him. Remember, he didn't even know, but he had said in our in his previous discourse that you know that the Holy Spirit's revealed to him that in every city that or the, in, in Jerusalem where he goes, chains and bad things are awaiting him. But he goes on to say, look at verses twenty six and twenty seven. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. That's an important statement there. Those both are. Very important statements there. I testify to you, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So, in other words, he says, because I taught you all the whole counsel of God's word, I really wish that I would have taught up to this verse in last week's message because this is my this was my thrust, and I kept saying that Paul taught the whole counsel of God's word, and I actually hadn't read on until I read on in this week, but sermon was long enough as it is. God had a reason. Anyway, well, because I taught you all the whole counsel of God's word, Paul says, candy parts with the hard parts, he says to these Ephesian elders that he's innocent of the blood of them, he's innocent of the blood of their congregation, as well as all those, all men, which would be all those in the city of Ephesus, where remember, he would not only preach in the houses, but he would preach out in the out, outdoors. So that way, what would that do? That was an evangelical type preaching. He was preaching outside the walls of the church so that not only his church people could listen along, but also those people in the city that were lost where they could listen along too. So he was giving, the way he was preaching, he says, the way I preached, how I gave you all God's word, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Again, that was them, their congregation, and everybody in the city. What is this whole bit about being innocent of the blood of all men? What does that mean? Well, if, you're, if you love your Bible, as I love my Bible, if you go all the way back to Ezekiel, and you go all the way back to Ezekiel chapter 3, 
actually Paul is referencing God's command, God's charge, God's, God's hey, uh, I'm, I'm passing this torch to you, Ezekiel, to be a watchman on the wall for all of God's people, which would be the Jews. Now, the duty of a watchman was something that w- was way before Ezekiel, but God had called Ezekiel to do this, not in a physical sense. Like, he, he didn't call Ezekiel to literally stand on a wall. Let me go back. A watchman on the wall in a, in a nation's sense, like as far as the way God would appoint a watchman on the wall, or for instance, any society would have a watchman on the wall, would be, you know, normally the gates of a city were open during the day. And, you know, they would welcome traders and people would come and trade and then leave and go as they will as they please to go to, to travel if they had, you know, business and other places to go to. Well, the watchman on the wall would watch and he would watch the horizon. And what he was looking for is he was looking for any sign of a, like a, a raiding, hoarding army. And, and why was he important? Well, if he ever saw a, a, a hoarding, raging horrible, terrible fighting army coming, well, they weren't just coming to have, you know, biscuits and gravy. They were coming to do what? They were coming to attack the city. So the watchman would then raise the alarm, bang a bell or blow a horn or something, and that would let the city know, close the gates and get the men for war ready because there's somebody coming that's going to go to war with us, and we need to be ready because they're right there on the horizon. Well, God gave Ezekiel this watchman on the wall idea because Ezekiel was supposed to warn and teach God's people, the Jews of the Old Testament, hey guys, you're not listening to God. And and here's what God wants. And he was warning them of the danger that was coming for them because they weren't obeying God's words. God's laws, God's righteous judgments. And so therefore, Ezekiel was that, that kind of the, the voice in the wilderness, kind of like John the Baptist for the Jews of that day, to say, hey guys, you know, turn, turn to God. Turn back to God. Hey, you're in danger. There, there, there's, there's a problem coming. The enemy of your souls, you're giving them, you're giving them a, a, a reason to attack you because, you know, you're not living for God. Danger, danger, danger. I'm, I'm, signing, you know, I'm sounding the warning now. And then they either chose to listen, which most of them didn't listen, or they chose to listen, which few of them chose to listen. And Paul, by, by saying what he said here, Taking them back, hey, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. He's saying the same thing. Paul was the watchman, the spiritual watchman on the wall for these Ephesian elders, their congregation, as well as those who were in Ephesus as he was preaching the gospel. Now, we don't, at, at, at Paul's time, they didn't necessarily always have to worry about these hoarding, raiding armies coming, but what they had to worry about is, well, under the new covenant, God revealed this whole picture of hell and condemnation because we're sinners. And then Paul, as he's preaching, is going, hey, the enemy's coming. The enemy of your souls is here and he's attacking and he owns some of you and Christians, be careful, the enemy of your souls. And, you know, and then, so therefore... He was their watchman on the wall to make sure they were well prepared for their enemy to come. He, like Ezekiel, was watching over the souls of God's flock there in the church, as well as, again, remember, preaching to those that were lost. And he was protecting them by what? Same thing Ezekiel did. 
teaching them the whole counsel of God's word and warning them of the enemy of their souls, the devil, who always is going to come and attack, and except not just in any one way, in many forms, to kill them. The devil, that's the devil's goal, wants to kill us. And, and, and how they were to stay safe from his attacks, and I, and I believe that he was, of course, talking about the spiritual attacks that the devil would bring in many forms, even in the form of physical people that were bringing an evil spiritual into the church. And that's context, as I'll show you as we go. Uh, so, but now, sadly, uh, he remember he's their watchman on the wall, hence the title of the sermon. But now, sadly, he's saying, "Hey, I'm leaving you." He's leaving him, and he, and he says, "I got no regrets." I've taught you all the things that you need to know. You guys know enough to stay safe from the enemy of your souls. But now I'm leaving. I've done my watchman on the wall duty for you, but now I'm out of here. But what does this mean for these elders and their congregation now that Paul's leaving? Look at verse 28. This all just lines up perfectly. Verse 28, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul tells them that since he's leaving, because God's called him away, that the Holy Spirit has now ordained these Ephesian elders that now they're responsible to be the watchmen that Paul had taught them to be the whole time that he was with them. These Ephesian elders now were the ones that were solely responsible to warn their flock of that devil coming in in many forms and, of course, and, and, and teach them the whole counsel of God's word as Paul did and as Paul, Paul taught them to do so so that they could what? Steer clear of the evil ones and stay safe in Jesus Christ. Or, just like the Jews of Ezekiel's day, not care. Oh, well, you know what? Whatever. He's coming. I know he's coming. That's all right. Whatever. And that's what a lot of Jews did back in Ezekiel's day. Hopefully not many many Christians did this then. But I'm sure of many unbelievers who were like, oh, whatever. Talking about the devil and Jesus Christ. We don't care about that. Get that guy out of here, you know. So, But nevertheless, Paul was their watchman. Now the Ephesian elders were the ones responsible for the Jew, or for the Christians or Jews or whatever Christians that were there in the city uh, to teach them. And, and as Paul was a great man of God and a lover of his Christ-following brothers and sisters, he here shows his true heart is that not only did he do this for the full three, full time that he was there, but he also then has to go, hey, I'm going to just keep reminding you, he must give these elders their strict charge to be the watchman that God is calling them to be because he is leaving. Paul says in this verse, as plain as plain can be, that these Ephesian elders need to take heed to themselves. That's a personal warning. So that was them, hey guys, be careful yourselves. The enemy of your soul. I'm being your watchman right now. I'm not going to be here in a little bit, but I'm, I'm your watchman right now. Be careful. As well as, he gives a warning here in regard to the Christians that they oversaw or that they were going to oversee that, that those sheep, remember, that Paul says that Jesus Christ purchased with his own blood. That now these Ephesian elders must now shepherd or take care of them and be their Watchmen. How dangerous is their enemy exactly? Well, according to Scripture, according to Christ Himself, and according to one of Christ's big three apostles, Jesus says this in John 10 10 of the devil the thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. None of those are good. None of those are happy. None of those are joyous. 
Kill, steal, and destroy is all bad. And that's what the devil's trying to do. First Peter tells us how he does that. First Peter 5.8, Peter tells us, be sober, be vigilant. That means, hey, don't be, in, don't, don't be drunk on wine. Don't be high on drugs. Hey, keep your mind away from the, the thinking of the things of this world. Instead, think of the things of God. Be sober, be, be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's always walking around trying to kill, steal, destroy, and see who he can devour and devour your faith, devour your life. He's just waiting for you to give him an opportunity to do that. And, that, and that's what the devil does. That's how dangerous he can be to us if we're not staying safe in Christ. If, if, if we're not taking the watchman's advice, right? And the watchman is telling us, hey, stay in the word of God, stay in prayer, you know, stay, stay focused on the Lord every day. Don't focus on the things of the world. If we're not taking the watchman's advice, then that's what can happen to us. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and seeking whom he may devour. Look at how Paul says that this adversary of their souls, the devil, was going to try to devour, kill, steal, and destroy them and their congregation. Why they must become their church's watchmen. Look at verse 29. For I know this, Paul says this with confidence, like, like he knows that it's going to happen, which I believe that he does. Uh, and we'll find out later why. But for I know this, that after my departure, so after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So evil and deceptive pretenders of the faith, uh, another section of scripture calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. Here we got them called savage wolves. They're going to come into their church. So these are people that are outside the church are going to then, after Paul's gone, they're going to come into the church and they're not going to spare the flock. Probably after they hear that the fierce protector, the watchman apostle Paul was gone. And he tells these people, or he tells them that these people won't spare them or their flock. And remember, it had already happened to a church Paul was a leader in, in Antioch, when the Jews came questioning people about the circumcision. I don't know if you remember that. We studied that section. I don't remember the exact chapter or verse. I should have grabbed it for you, but, that, but, but you can go back. But it was in Antioch, and the, these Jews came, and these were people coming from outside the church that came into the church to sow division, to, to sow evil, to sow doubt, and, and they made these Christians in Antioch think that were mostly Gentile think, well, I need to be circumcised, which was of, of a fleshly work, and you, well, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And then Paul was the watchman, was one of the watchmen there, and he remember he kind of came up against them, and then they ended up, you know, he came against them, then they end up going to Jerusalem. The Jerusalem Council agrees with Paul, send back, say, hey, these guys aren't from us, and get them out of here. So Paul was a protector of those whom he was with. He was the watchman on the church on the walls of the churches that he went to. And according to Christ of Satan's attacks, remember, the not sparing the flock means that these evil pretenders would try to come into their church and either kill, steal, or destroy these believers' faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe, possibly even their lives, but I don't think so because you know, then they would be liable to go underneath the, the Romans who were in charge, and then if they, you know, took a life. So probably I'm just thinking it was just to kill, steal, or destroy their faith. The idea of savage wolves trying to come into the Christian church has been a big problem for many true Christian churches for many years. And yes, even right after Paul left Ephesus, 
in the Ephesian church, it happened as well too. I'll talk about that later in the message because we actually know what happened after Paul left. Concerning the savage wolves, I've dealt with them at different times in my time as I've been in churches in the past in Christ. I, I was going to this one church for a long time. And we would have people come in from time to time during a special event or here and there. And of course, they try to talk to the flock of God. But I was one of the kind of the people there that was not an elder or an overseer, but I was one there that was a leader there. And, and so I would kind of sniff that person out. And I've had many conversations with people like this who, who they come into the church and they're there to sow this and they're there to sow that and they're there to, to you know, say these bad things and try to, you know, try to say, well, this church isn't really one of God and so on and so forth. And so I've had a couple few conversations with these types of people before uh, that tried to come into the flock and, and they got a big surprise. For you see, I'm not your average, just plain of the mill, run of the day Christian. I turn the tables on them. And I, and I, I, uh, I questioned them and got them to wonder about themselves. And I got them out of the church and instead of letting them get to the flock, those that aren't as learned as me in the Lord. So my only advice there is anybody listening, don't come to a church that I belong to or any of these savage wolves. Don't come to a church I attend and attack the flock of sheep that they're with me or I'm an overseer over. You won't like the outcome. You just won't. There are savage wolves that come to try to kill God's sheep, and there are wolf killers who, like Paul, kill the wolves, and while I'm like Paul, I, I kill the wolves. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, I'm all right with that. I, I will defend those whom God puts under my charge or those whom God has stand with me. Now, as for the bad news that Paul's just given them, sadly, it gets worse. I mean... We already know that the world is full of people that hate Christ and hate his church, but that's the world. Now we're talking about we go inside the church. Look at verse 30, and I'll kind of break this down, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Also, he says, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, if you just look at his wording there, also from among yourselves, men will rise up. Paul's warning to these vision elders here just got worse as their job as watchmen for God's church just got a lot more difficult. The term from among yourselves men will rise up is referring to those that were already actually in their congregation church body at the time that Paul was speaking to them right now. People that Paul knew personally People that had been in the, maybe, maybe even people that Paul helped come to the salvation of Jesus Christ. So people that had been there, he had been there, he says at the end of the section, he had been there for three years. He's the one that brought the gospel to Ephesus. He's the one, one of the ones that started the church in Ephesus. And, and so he's saying, from amongst yourselves, those which I know already that are in your church, I know that some of them are going to rise up and they're going to cause you problems. And, and you see, he says that they're going to say perverse, so sinful things or deceptive things things and their whole goal is to draw away the disciples after themselves. What does that mean? Well, if if you're if I'm trying to draw somebody to myself and and we're in a church body, there's no I in team, right? There there's a group, there's a, a, an amount of people, a number of people, not just one. But if I'm trying to draw people away to myself and I'm inside the church, that means that I'm trying to draw them out 
of the church. I'm trying to draw them to maybe, oh, God's called me to start a new church, and oh, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a new apostle. You know, God, God's called me, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and I'm going to start to say, hey, come on, man. We don't, you know that, you know that guy, Paul, yeah, he's not here no more. You know what? I'm telling you, whenever the leadership changes, well, you know, that's when problems happen. And you know, you know that, you know, that guy so-and-so and that guy so-and-so that he appointed as elders. Well, you know, uh, they're kind of fishy, man. I, you know, it, just all kinds of things. But you know, if, if hey, if you come with me, hey, we, you know what kind of person I am. Hey, we'll go start a church right down there, right down the street. And man, we'll be... We'll be stronger Christians than we'll be. We'll be. We'll be better followers of Christ. We won't have to remember how so and so did this and how so and so did that. That's just kind of how things like this can happen. And this, by the way, has been a huge problem in the Christian church for a long time, right? Uh, we can't forget. This is how many of today's false uh, apostate churches and, and also false apostate wrong, you know, completely way off the wall Christian church that, that claim to be Christian, but they're not like the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. These people were in Christian churches at one time. And then now, well, they, at one point, their leaders, they were these people that rose up in the church that were like, hey man, hey, come on, man, you know, well, this that and the thing, hey, well, you know, follow me, I got this new da, 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 da. They were those types of people that were in these churches, the one that Paul's warning these Ephesian elders of right now. Christians, my real Christian brethren out there, listen to me, please. This is a dangerous idea. Please be warned, just like Paul says to the teachers, uh, these elders here. Uh, please take Jesus Christ and Paul's warnings uh, of the devil seriously. Many false sects of Christianity have been started this way and still exist today. So just as Paul is warning these Ephesian elders to watch out for themselves and their flock as the watchman, I, as a watchman of today's day, am warning you who are listening to me to be careful whom you follow today. Be very weary of those who approach you in your church and say all the things that I kind of just said already. I'm not going to go through them again. Uh, they may seem like they're really godly people at first. They may seem like they're really strong Christ followers and really, really focused on Jesus Christ. But if they're trying to draw you out of the church to a church that they're going to start on their own somewhere else, here or there or wherever, Right, and they don't have the blessing of the church elders and the leaders that are there, and 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 the elders and leaders there are not saying, "Hey, well, we don't. God's not put anything on it. He's not shown us that this guy's supposed to be an elder. This guy's not supposed to be a church planner anywhere else." Then don't go with them. They are enemies of the cross, and they don't preach Jesus Christ and the Bible accurately. They preach it to their own gain. Uh, they will either right away or after a while. What they're going to end up doing is they're going to exalt themselves and not Christ because that's the way they kind of work. Uh, and this work that they're trying to draw you away from a church that you're in, that you're, that you're being fed in, that you're getting fellowshipped in, that is not a work of God. God does things in order, in decency, and, and especially out in the light. He doesn't do things secretly. Because a lot of times, well, I knew this one guy. This one guy came into the church. I was in this one time. And this he got. He came in, and then a, a friend, a couple friend of his came in, and then another couple friends of his came in, and then before you know it, they had a whole bunch of people talking. Well, before you knew it, and this is kind of before I kind of became a leader there at this church. But before you know it, well, where's so and so? 
Oh, we're, we're, we're so-and-so. Well, we're, we're so-and-so. Well, all these couples that had come in as friends had lured away a whole bunch of people inside the church because they were going to go start another church. And they actually came to the church that I was involved in to try to, 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 to steal the sheep away from that church. This is not a work of God. This is a work of the devil. The Apostle John, one of uh, Jesus Christ's big three, writes some, to some of his beloved Christian brothers and sisters and says this on the subject. 1 John 2, 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last hour. And as, I have, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that this is the last hour. Verse 19. They went out from us. So John, John even saw that this was a problem even in the church in Jerusalem. Because remember, that's where John was the, one of the main elders, right? That They went out from us. So then these were other people that rose up in the church trying to do the same thing that Paul's warning these Ephesian elders of, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, Or, but then they went out that they may, might be manifest that none of them were of us. And where he could have added is, if they were of us, then we would have sent them out via the Holy Spirit's telling us to, and then they would have come up from us, and we would have told you, hey, these guys are coming, hey, they're of us. Unlike, remember, in Antioch, when the Jews came to Paul and Christians there and said, hey, you got to be circumcised to keep the law, or to, to be saved. And they got to end up getting the ex nay, they end up getting the chop by the Jerusalem church, because the Jerusalem church said, hey, we're, they're not of us. Anyway, Pretty messed up stuff. And, and, and this, I'm telling you guys, Christians, ladies, gentlemen, men, children, all, whoever you are, are listening to me, this is some messed up stuff, but this is stuff that's been happening, and this is stuff that still happens today. It's pretty messed up, but they, they should have known this. Maybe they didn't have the Gospels at this point when Paul's here, and that could be a possibility, but they... Paul should have been teaching them this as Christ taught this in Matthew 24, verse 4 and 11, in a whole segment that he gives to his original 12. He says this in verse 4 of the same type of stuff. Take heed that no one deceives you. For listen, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. So many that are in the Christian church are in, are in the body of Christ. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. This is nothing new. Christ warned of this. Paul warned of this. Verse 11, Matthew 24, verse 11, that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. These people that come out of the church, that rise up in their church, always call themselves, they always exalt themselves on this and on that, on this. Follow me. Oh, they're, this church is doing the wrong thing. Come on. Follow me, follow me. So, so sad, so sad, terrible sad, and, and, but true information, Christians. So just be warned. Now, now, if you've become a truly saved and born again person, and you're now being obedient to God today, and very importantly, staying involved in a local church, just a big, here's a, here's a, here's a big heads up to you, that if you don't realize it already, uh, maybe you already know, but you're in a war. You are in a war. The evil one, Satan, is in a constant war against you and wants to, remember what Jesus said, still kill and destroy you and your faith in Christ and try to get you back on his side, back on the side of darkness. 
And if you think that you're safe inside the little church that God's put you in, and, and oh, you're surrounded by my brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it was a saying that used to go around when I was a younger Christian in churches. Oh, the, we, the, the devil can't come around us. We're a body of believers. Oh, oh, yeah? Well, that's not what we're reading here today. We're not reading here today. Paul's not going, oh, just stay strong in the church and shut the doors, and then the devil won't get in. No, we didn't say that at all. He said, hey, be warned, it's going to happen. You see, this is, good. this is it. And you see, the devil, he just can't stand that you love Jesus Christ if you're born again and following Christ. And he can't stand it if you're even thinking about coming over to God's side. He really can't. So you're at war. The only ones really that are not at war, the only ones that are really safe from his attacks as far as what we're hearing about from Paul here, are the ones that kind of belong to him. The ones that are kind of on his side. They're the only ones that are really saved. He torments them and tortures them, mind you, but he, he doesn't attack them like he does those that he's trying to bring back to the darkness or those that you know are thinking about leaving his darkness. He doesn't attack you that way, but he just torments you and others. But you're, that's the only way you're safe from his attacks. Anyway, I, I, I don't know about you, but I can't wait until his end comes. Anyway, get to our last verse of today. Paul finishes up this major exhortation on this terrible topic by saying this. Look at verse 31. Therefore, watch. Don't close your eyes, Christians. Watch. Watch and remember that for three years, I could just see him saying this. I would even maybe even think Paul's in tears while he's saying this. For three years, I did not cease to warn everyone. There's your watchman. Warning! Warning, Christians, warning! There's going to come a time when people will rise up from among you. There's going to come a time when people will come in and they'll try to come into this church and they hate God's work and they're going to try to attack you and they're going to try to steal you away from Christ. He says, I did not cease to warn you of these things night and day with tears. So I can just see, I remember our sermon a few weeks back or maybe a month or so ago back where we had the Paul and the, and the young fortunate man where he spoke that night for like 12 hours or 11 hours, something crazy, something from like 7 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night all the way to 6 or 6.30 in the next morning. But then they had a break in the middle at noon where the boy died, the fortunate boy died because he fell from the window because he, he, had, he, had, he fell asleep. I, I, I could see Paul, here's your night and day. I could see him with tears exhorting these Christians to stay. Remember, that was a trip of encouragement that he had gone on. And I could see him with tears going, please, stand the tests. Go through them. Christ is worth it. With tears, as he's saying here, he's saying, be warned and watch out because these things will happen to you and your congregation. You watchmen on the Ephesian wall, watch and be ready. Don't think because you're in your church, you're safe. Be prepared for them to happen. And remember, this isn't the first time you're hearing me say this. Three years I've told you, three years I've been telling you this is going to happen, but I've been with you. And maybe things had been good. We don't read about anybody rising up in the church or coming into the church while Paul was there in Ephesus. But again, Paul kind of had a reputation and people didn't really want to mess with him. He was a wild man for God. 
And people didn't really want to mess with him. So maybe nobody even came in because they knew, hey, if I come in, I have to deal with Paul. But now Paul's leaving. Paul had actually already left. And so people, um, you know, word spreads. Hey, man, that great, that great God from God. And he left. Oh, oh, your main guy left? Oh, really? And then, you know, that word spreads. And so Paul's telling him, hey, three years, I've been, I've been weeping in passion telling you these things. See, Paul knew how to exhort when he taught. And that's a good thing because this is one of those topics that the Ephesian elders needed to take seriously and not just fluff off. The, the big question is this. Did they actually take heed, take warning after Paul left to stay on God's side and not go apostate, we actually know the answer. We always don't know the answer to this question, but here we do. When we pop over to Revelation 2, 1 through 3, we see Jesus Christ's words himself to the church in Ephesus, and he says this about the same topic. He says this, Revelation 2, 1 through 3, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. What did Paul just say? Evil, ravenous wolves, or, or, or savage wolves, which we know them to be evil because they're coming to attack us. Right? They're evil, but they couldn't bear those who were evil. So they did listen. And here's the second part, second part of verse 2. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you've found them liars. And you have persevered and have had patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Awesome. They tested those who came in and said, Oh, I'm an, I'm an apostle of God, and I, I've heard that Paul is gone, and I'm here to fill his spot. Maybe that might have been one thing that they said. And they went, Oh, you're an apostle, huh? Hey, Joe, remember what, remember what Paul said? Man, he talked about it all the time. He said that these people were going to come in, and they were going to turn. He said, Oh, really? You're an apostle? Well, you, you know, do you have any walking papers? Where are your papers from the head church in Jerusalem? Or, or maybe you know Paul. Give me your letter from him, and let's have your letter from Paul if you're really legit. Oh, well, uh, you know, Paul, we, we just had a conversation together, and he, uh, he sent me over here. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. Hey, get out. We know you're not from Paul because he warned us that you were coming. And they did that. Praise God. They listened and they did that. According to the hard language that Jesus Christ used there, these Ephesian elders did take up the charge of the Holy Spirit to shepherd or take care of the flock spiritually and physically and become true watchmen on the wall, keeping themselves and their flocks from the evil savage wolves and from those within that did, according to Christ in Revelation 2, come in and attack them. And that is awesome. Praise God. Now, my exhortation to you who are born again that are listening to me today out there is one very simple, plain, but very powerful, uh, same exhortations that you've already heard in this message, and I want these to sink in. I heard, just heard the other day that when we continue to say things and when we continue to hear things, that they sink in. So I want this to sink in for you what Jesus Christ said of the devil again, John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill, and to destroy. None of those are good. 
None of those are good. And so because he will, 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He is on the hunt for you. And Jesus Christ said those things, by the way, to his very own chosen 12 apostles. He said those things. And then Peter is writing to Christians in 1 Peter 5.8 to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, speaking to people that were he knew were godly people, he knew were in Christ. That's important. Today we face a real devil, a real Satan, and a real spiritual host of wickedness, ladies and gentlemen, on a daily basis. And they again are out to get us and they're out to bring us back to the dark side if we're born again. They, they have and will inspire their evil-hearted followers or those that they've deceived back into darkness. Though They will inspire them to come into your churches. They will inspire them to come to the doors of your homes, to lay little pamphlets on the windows of your car, right? to just reach out and, and spread their poison. And what they are, their goal is is they want to take you down and they want to bring you back into darkness. So please take heed or be warned to the fact that they are coming. They probably already have come, if you can think about what I'm saying and think about your past. And please don't follow them or entertain them or their ideas. Second John 1, 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the doctrine that John has been, had been talking about, you know, Christ living, Christ dying, Christ rising again, following Christ's ways, being a Christ follower, being, you know, dedicated to God, so on and so forth. If anyone does not come and bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares and his evil deeds. John's not saying we, that we don't reach them for the Jesus Christ that we follow, the one of the Bible, because Jesus said we're supposed to do that. But he's saying don't receive them. Don't welcome them in and act like they're your friend. Don't, don't be like, oh, well, let's go grab a burger together and let's be chummy. Because once you do, once you act toward them like kind of they're your friend, well, then they think that they're okay. And then their okayness and their wicked doctrine could easily rub off on you. And John knew how dangerous this was. Same thing Paul, being the watchman on the wall, knew how dangerous this was and why he spent this whole section. After three years being in Ephesus, night and day warning again, he had to give a, he had to give a one last warning to these guys. He just didn't stop warning them that this kind of stuff was going to happen. And the only way that we today, it's an old, kind of an old saying, I may be botching it up a little bit. The only way today is Christ followers, is those who are sold out to Jesus Christ that are born again. The only way not to fall is to stay on your knees. Stay on your knees in prayer. Stay, stay keep, keep yourself safe from the lies and half-truths of the devil that will bring against you to deceive you. Remember Jesus Christ in the wilderness when the devil came and even tempted him, which means that uh, the only reason Jesus Christ got through those temptations that Satan threw at him was because what did he do? The devil threw a false, uh, you know, kind of a scripture that he had twisted at Jesus. Jesus Christ came back with what? The Word of God. The pure Word of God. The untwisted Word of God. Of God, And so that's how we can stay safe from his lies and his half-truths by staying in the word of God daily. 
in staying close to Jesus Christ in our relationship. You, you stay close to Jesus Christ by refreshing your minds and hearts daily in His Word. Keeping your minds set and focused on things like this. As followers of Christ, keep your mind set on His great love for you. Because you're a sinner. You may say, well, I'm redeemed. Yeah, but you still sin. And the definition of sinner is one who does, one who commits sin. Not one who practices sin. You can look it up. Go to the concordance, blueletterbible.com. The definition of a sinner is one who, who actually just commits sin. Not one who practices sin. One who commits it. And we're all going to commit sin. Unfortunately, even though I hate it, we're all going to commit sin till the day we die. I hate it, and I try, and I refer, strive not to, but then I still fail sometimes. I, I still fail. So uh, keeping you, your mind on his great love for you, that while you were a sinner and while you still do sin sometimes, for you deserve, because of your sin, you deserve hell's flames. But he saved you if you're born again. He gave you new life according to his spirit. And if you stay the course, you'll get his heavenly promises. You'll get his eternal life that he promises to all those who continue to follow him. You need to keep your mind focused on his promises to you. Please go get in his word and look at the way the awesome things God promises you that he'll never leave you or never forsake you, that he'll always take care of you, that he'll always provide for you, that he'll always be there for you. He's your great counselor. Keep your mind fixed on these things. Because the devil's lies and half-truths, as I just know, I just was having a conversation with somebody that used to love the Lord and they had fallen away just the other day. Not they didn't fall away the other day, but I had just had a conversation with them the other day. And one of the things that they told me that they, it was resounding was the things that had led them away from Christ was that they started to see him in a wrong light. And all the things he did, well, they didn't see him for any good. They saw him as, well, he should have known better and not done that. It's his fault for this, and it's his fault for that, and it's his fault for this, and it's his fault for that. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Jesus even gave a parable about the one who had the one talent that, that thought something wrong. And that's why he never made any talents, is because he thought something wrong about the master, which was Jesus Christ. And because he thought something wrong about it, he had buried his talent. And this, what this person's doing, they're burying their talent. And so they didn't keep their minds fixed on the awesome things of God, the our aspect things of God. They, they, kept their, they, they had set their minds on the lies of the devil about God. Same as uh, the devil lied to Adam and Eve. Oh, you'll be better off. If you, I know God said don't eat that fruit. I know he did. But you know what? He's, he's really a bad guy. And you know what, he really, he's not looking out for the best for you. I, see, now I, I got your answer. And my answer, see, that fruit, that fruit's going to make you awesome. So you know what, you should eat it. God, he's wrong and he's just out to get you, but I got your best interest. And this is what the devil tries to do. He tries to twist our minds and, and by false promises and lies and half-truths to make God look like the bad guy instead of the one that saved us or that offers salvation to us. And that's what he does. Keep your minds fixed on the eternity that Jesus Christ is preparing for you if you endure. Keep your minds fixed on being obedient to Jesus Christ, loving him back because he first loved you, etc. And the list could go on. Because again, the devil and Satan are out to get you to forfeit your eternal life in Jesus Christ so that you end up heading to hell again. Remember again, Jesus Christ in the wilderness. 
Maybe you've heard that this can't happen. Maybe you've heard, well, if I'm born again, I can't forfeit my salvation. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Well, that's what that means. It's a term called OSAS. And maybe you think that that can't happen. Well, this, unfortunately, is one of those doctrines, one of those teachings that's been brought in by savage wolves and imposters way back. And it's something that's carried on, and it's a dangerous doctrine. It gives false security to those who believe it, not eternal security. Please understand, it is dangerous. Why do I say all those things? Well, I I just want to encourage you not to believe it. There are some things about our section that we looked at that I want to quickly kind of almost get close with a little bit there. But if the teaching, I just want you to think about some of the things that we looked at today in our section of Scripture. I don't know if you ever thought logically about them or, or if you've ever really put them under a microscope. But if the teaching of once saved, always saved is true, meaning that once I become born again, I'm guaranteed eternal life no matter what. Once saved, always saved. Uh, Please then think about the, st- the section we studied and just ask yourself an answer, uh, a question or two or three here. Think about this. If OSAS, OSAS were true, why would Paul have referred the watch, had, had referenced the watchman on the wall term for himself from Ezekiel about their blood not being on his head because of how he taught them the whole counsel of God's word? Well, the, the counsel of God's word is a spiritual thing, right? That's a spiritual thing. But blood on my head means death. If I'm saved and I can't lose my salvation, how would Paul have any blood on his head? Because, you see, if Oasis or Osas were true, the true born-again believer in this church, no matter what happened, or no matter who came from within or from without, it wouldn't have mattered right? They would, if they were born again, if they were truly saved, according to that doctrine, they would have continued to be true born-again believers, no matter whether Paul taught them the whole counsel of God's word or not. Because guess what? They were saved. And and Osas, right? But that's not what we have. No, that's not what we have. If you're honest, that's not what we have. Paul referenced blood, which is a death, right? If people get killed, The blood of all men say, hey, if people still die, the blood's off my head. That's what he said. When the blood was concerning a spiritual matter, not a physical one. Okay? Another one, if Osas were true, Paul would not have had to be a watchman or say anything about their blood not being on his head because of the spiritual word of God, because there would have been no responsibility of them dying spiritually. Right? As I said again, blood means death. Yet that's not what Paul says. If the teaching of Osas were true, why was it necessary for Paul to be a watchman to the Ephesian elders? And then why would it have been necessary for for, for him and the Holy Spirit to appoint the elders of this church to be watchmen over God's children in this church when God called Paul to leave them? If Osas were true, which is multitudes of people believe it, if Osas were true, then watchmen would have not been necessary because there would have been no possibility that those that were truly born again, for them to walk away from Jesus Christ and back into darkness. If Osas were true, then why would it have mattered in verses 29 and 30 that savage wolves would come in among them, not sparing the flock, also from among themselves, this is this term, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. But if Osas were true, 
Then these disciples, because only born-again Christians in the Bible are called disciples. We don't find anybody that's not a born-again Christian in the Bible called a disciple. If Osas were true, then these disciples being drawn away wouldn't have changed their eternal life in Jesus Christ because they would have been saved eternally 100%, making Paul's warnings useless. Seriously, who gives a warning with no danger of anything happening? Paul gave them a warning, be take heed warning, that you do these things. But if everybody there, the ones that were born again, were already saved and born again, why give a warning, Christians? Why? Why warn somebody of something that can't happen? Who cares if the people or disciples are led away? Hey, they're saved. They're good to go. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, so what if they get led away? Hey, you know what? They'll get led away and you know, they'll either find their way back or they'll, they'll, you know, God will call them to rise up their own church. But who, who cares? They're saved no matter what. See, warnings are useless and senseless if there's no danger. In the context of this whole section is that of the spiritual danger and not of a physical the spiritual danger of the savage wolves coming in and those who were part of their current flock rising up in the church to take members away after themselves. And it all centered around the Ephesian elders being the watchmen and Paul and them being taught and them teaching the spiritual word of God. Now, and I could go on and on about this topic. I'm, I'm almost completely finished with writing a book against it but but long idea cut short upon these questions i just asked you if you answered them honestly osas is a false doctrine and it brings false security to those who believe it not eternal security and according to paul in this whole section ladies and gentlemen it is possible for a born-again christian like the ones that paul was exhorting in today's section the ones that he warned Gave them a personal warning, the Ephesian elders and those that they were to shepherd or take care of in this section. It is possible for them or even you today to forfeit your eternal life if you are not careful to endure in Jesus Christ until the end of your life or Jesus Christ returns. I love a group called DC Talk. They're one of my favorite groups of all time of Christian groups. DC Talk, and if you have been a Christian for any amount of time, they made a song called Jesus Freak. What would, I, what would they do when they learned that I'm a Jesus Freak? Right? I mean, it's one of the most popular Christian songs of all time. And as I write these sermons, as I work up these sermons, I always often go to YouTube and I always play my favorite Christian artists and I listen to them in the background as I'm you know, listening to God. And I can, that's the way my brain works. I, I like to listen to God's music as I'm preparing the things of God. And that, that helps me focus and it helps shut out the TV that's on or you know, my son that's talking to my wife in the other room or whatever. You know, that, that helps me. Well, and sometimes as I'm listening, I'm taking a break, and I go down and I scroll down through the comments. You know, some of them, oh, praise God for DC Talk, man. Oh, we, we sure do love this. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, what would I do without them? I grew up a Christian. Da, da, da. Except for just, and I, I, I didn't think, wasn't sure God wanted me to talk about this topic today in this message, but then he gave me a very clear sign that he wanted me to in the fact that as I was reading these comments, more than ever before, there were ones that said, and I mean on every single song that I seem to look down on the comments on, yeah, I grew up a Christian, but 
I'm an atheist now. I'm a hardcore atheist now. You know, this, that, and the other thing, but hey, man, these guys' music is iconic, and it's wonderful, and yada, 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 yada. Go to the next song. Well, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s, man, I was a hardcore Christian. I'm an atheist now. And I mean every single song, practically, had one of those or multiple. Some of the songs had multiple, two and three and four people that were saying that out of the first, like, ten comments. Two and three and four. Well, I used to be a Christ follower, but, you know, now, you know, if God were this, you know. But, hey, man. These guys' music is absolutely awesome. So, please excuse me. I cannot warn you enough from this doctrine, from people coming in, luring you away, people teaching false doctrine. Christians get into the Word of God and devour it and learn about God and seek God's face and don't listen to anything that doesn't line up with the Bible and read the Bible for yourselves. Read the Bible for yourselves and stay close to Jesus Christ. And don't just think, as the Jews did, as Paul gave a, a warning in Romans, I think, believe it was 5. Don't you think, don't, the, the Jews thought, hey, they're God's chosen people. But you know what? You who have been grafted into the vine, don't you think that you can't be ripped off? As Paul says, I believe it's Romans 5 or Romans 8. You have to, I'd have to look it up again. It's just, this is coming from the, the cuff, not coming from the preparation. But Paul warns again, hey, don't think just because you are good with God now that you can't be ripped off of the vine that you were grafted into. So Christians, be warned. This is a dangerous, serious, serious, as a heart attack topic. The enemy's coming for you, and he wants to take you down. DC Talk videos. Wow. So be safe. Follow Christ until you die. Chris, Christians, I'm a watchman on the wall just like Paul. And if you are a true born-again Christian, I must tell you that you're only safe in Jesus Christ and heading for eternal life if you continue in your faith in Jesus Christ. If you continue to follow and obey Him and His teachings until you die. If you fall away back into willful, sinful lifestyle or the unbelief of God Almighty and Jesus Christ, then you will forfeit your eternal life and lose out on the wonderful eternal life that Christ is storing up for you right now. This is no joke. Please take Paul's warnings to heart and be warned. Please, 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 please. In my final, final words... Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking that you were saved, but now you're thinking, well, I think I have fallen away. Ouch. Maybe you're sitting there listening to a sermon and you've maybe never even known Christ. And you've never even been born again. Well, either way, the scary thing for both of you is that no matter which one you are, you're in danger and you're in a bad place with God and Jesus Christ. But He doesn't want you to be there. That's why He came and gave His life for us on the cross. He doesn't want you to be there. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to have eternal life with Him. He wants you to walk with Him in an, in, in an intimate relationship right now. How did you get there the first time? Or how do you get there for the first time? Or, or how do you return there again? Well, repent. 
That's what the Word of God says. Repent. That's not, I'm not making it up. Repent. The Bible says repent, therefore, and be converted. Repent. That means having a heart change. Turning your heart towards or back towards God and Jesus Christ. That means that you realize I'm wrong. Holy camoli, that guy's right. I have turned I have turned away. I'm not safe. Holy camoli, why would Paul have warned these guys if it's not? Oh my goodness gracious, I have. Uh, that means you apologize to him because you realize you're wrong. And because you've been rejecting him with your lifestyle. And that you've turned away from him. You repent. God, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Then you come to or back to God. Through Jesus Christ, God's only plan of salvation, the way Jesus Christ said to. Matthew 16, 24. And Jesus told the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take yourself, that means take yourself off the throne of your life again or for the first time. And let Christ have the reins again. Give, give Christ back the wheel. I don't want to be cliche, but it's very true. You're driving your car right now. God's running behind the car going, please come back or please come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All you have to do is stop the car, open the door, put your hands up in the air and say, Jesus, here, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting all kinds of things. I'm getting all kinds of tickets. I'm hitting all kinds of barriers. I'm wrecking up my car. You drive. You know what? I'll, you know what? I'll run behind the car after you. No, he wants you to be in the car with him for real. But Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That means, Jesus, you know, here, here's my life. I'm screwing it up. Please save me. You admit that you're wrong and then admit that you need him again or for the first time. Then he said, take up your cross. And then, well, of course, the most important thing, follow him. Do the things which he said. Begin to do the things which he said. First is relationship, then is work. And that's how it works in our real lives. In our real lives, we meet a girl or we meet a guy and we want to be with them. And so we, we kind of, you know, we, we do nice things, we, you know, to, together and we show them our love and everything and there's relationship. And then once we're, once we're, let's say, together as a couple, well, then we work to please one another. Then I'm, hey, you know, let, let me do nice things for my wife. Let me do nice things for my, my husband. Let me do nice things for my boyfriend. Let me do my, nice things for my girlfriend because, you know, I really want, I just really love them and I really want to do nice things for them. So, of course, relationship first and then serving after, after he's changed your heart and after your service is acceptable to him. Please don't wait to come to or back to Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you to be in his arms again or for the first time. He's waiting for you to be in a beautiful relationship of trust. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message, Lord. Thank you so much for your awesome, awesome words, Lord God, to this last day message, Lord, to these churches or people that I'm preaching to, Lord God, that are hopefully in churches and are getting fed on a weekly basis, plus listening to me because they, you know, that God's called them to listen to me or, or whatever, Lord. Um, thank you so much, Lord, for them. And I just pray for them right now that those that are yours, that you would keep them strong in you and help them to continue to walk with you and, and help them to continue, Lord, and show them the dangers of not. Reveal that to them, Lord, please. And I pray that they would stay and they would stay focused on you and in your love and not get a contorted or twisted view of you. And Lord, for those that are not yours or those that have walked away, I hope the reality, I pray the reality would set into them, Lord God, that they're not safe in you. And that when they die, they're not going to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, unless they repent and unless they turn to you or back to you. So please, God, bring them to you or back to you and help them, Lord, help them to come to a beautiful, personal, intimate, loving relationship between you and your Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in them. 
I love you and we love you and we praise you, God. And ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.